0: We want to continue in our book of John this morning. I have in my heart, I'm kind of pulled. I want to go two different ways. This will be the last time that we talk about the book of John for a, a little while with the uh, Good Friday and the Easter service, Palm Sunday coming up. And then we're going to talk about uh, some resurrection stuff after uh, Easter. So I'm, I'm a little divided on where I want to go. So stick with me. I'm going to be weeding through notes on the fly. Uh, in particular, uh, Diane, Hang on and just try and catch up. One of the reasons that I love Scripture, one of the reasons that I believe in the Bible, one of the reasons I believe what God has written is because it is about people testifying about what they've seen and what they've experienced through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has given, has given instruction, but we find that there are struggles and there are difficulties in people's lives, and God is in no way, no shape, no form trying to whitewash that or hide that. We read in Scripture about struggles. We read in Scripture about difficulties. We read in Scripture about sin, about people falling. God is not in any way trying to sugarcoat the Scriptures. If he were, then we would not read anything about Moses because Moses had some failures. Abraham had a wife that he gave away as his sister. Just saying. David had an affair with a woman her name was Bathsheba she was taking a bath I'm not sure if there's any correlation there but they have a baby that dies and in the whole process David goes out and he has her husband killed the Bible does not try to whitewash sin the Bible does not try to hide that there are difficulties there are struggles and for me uh, when we look at Peter, you can look at, at Samson, you can look at Adam, you can look at Noah, Jacob, Leah, Rahab, it, it just goes on and on and on. Scripture is filled with people and their failures and there's hope in that because I have failures. There's hope in that because I have people sitting across the desk from me every week that struggle with failure, struggle with problems in their life. So, you know, I can't quite get this thing together. I've fallen this week. I I fell this week. I stumbled. I, I, I fell. And I have to say, you're in good company. Because if it wasn't for the failures, if it wasn't for those things, we wouldn't be able to talk about God's word. Scripture is filled with those types of experiences, and God reaches down. One of the hardest things for us to wrap our brain around is to wrap our brain around suffering. I'm going to preach this sermon today, and the next time we get back on John, I'm going to preach chapter 9 again. We're going to talk about suffering. The truth of the matter is when we read John chapter nine, we read, we're really reading about the sovereignty of God. It's not just about suffering, it's about the sovereignty of God. The Bible is not silent on issues of sin, it's not silent on issues of disability. Did you know that? Your issue may be autism or Down syndrome or blindness or any other rare unpronounceable conditions. I've heard unpronounceable conditions with letters this long, it's in small print, and you gotta make up a definition because you don't know what it means. The Bible is not silent about that. You can't turn to the second chapter of John and read about autism, but you can read about God's dealing with disabilities in people's lives. We're gonna look at that a little closer in the future, but the Bible is filled with God trying to shed his light and life on those struggles in our life. And think about this. What would I do as a pastor if God's word doesn't have something to say about that? I gotta make it up on the fly? You come and sit in front of me and I just gotta make something up? Well, I'm going through this in my life, pastor. What's going on? And I gotta make something up? God's word speaks to those issues in our life. Speaks to the issue of Struggling speaks to the issue of suffering. John chapter nine, starting in verse one. As he went along, Jesus, as he went along, he saw, I'm gonna break this up. I'm just gonna keep breaking this down. We're gonna hit it kind of hard at first and then you'll see the, the, if you ever just read a passage of scripture and wanted to just burst out laughing, that's kind of how John writes this. There's some real struggle, strong stuff in the front part of this. As he went along, Jesus went along he saw a blind man, a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Chapter in verse 3, Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me, Night is coming when no one can work while I am in the world. I am the light of the world. This seems the most peculiar piece of, of this, this passage is this chapter. Why is Jesus talking about being the light in the middle of the disciples asking him about who sinned? There's a couple things that are going on here. First of all, Jesus notices the man The disciples have probably walked past this man a hundred times or a thousand times. He's been blind since birth. They don't ask him about it until Jesus notices. So step number one, as you go through the day, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you to notice people with struggles. I'm gonna ask you to notice people with difficulties. I'm gonna ask you to notice people with challenges, people with walkers, people with wheelchairs. I'm gonna ask you to notice... But there are people in this world around us that are hurting. Because way too often we've got our blinders on, we're headed for point A, and we gotta get, doesn't make any difference what's going on around us. We've got to get there. And I'm telling you, our world is gonna be a whole lot better if we act like the disciples who noticed this person who was blind, but they only noticed him, it appears, they've only noticed him after Jesus noticed him. And then all they wanted to do was find out why was he blind? They're looking for the cause. And Jesus says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world, he's saying he's got something to offer. Christian, if you're sitting here, you have something to offer if there's somebody who's blind, if there's somebody who's hurting, if there's somebody who's in a wheelchair, if there's somebody who is disabled in any way, if there's somebody who is, I I like to actually look at it this way, if there's somebody who is otherwise abled. Because I'm telling you, disabilities were a very limited way of looking at things. I've watched my son change people's lives because he is otherwise abled. Well, we have to stop long enough to see that. We have to slow down long enough to let God work in our heart and to minister not to us but through us and stop looking at the cause. The disciples who were looking for the cause. The disciples saw that Jesus' attention was turned to the blind man and so they asked for an explanation in verse 3. Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born this way? And Jesus answers their question, but not not in the same category that they're thinking, not in the category that they're using. They want an explanation for his blindness. You see, the, the thought process ran like this, and we'll see it again, it comes up later on in the same passage of scripture. And the reality is, it comes up in our heart, and I'm, I'm, probably, I'm probably as guilty as anybody. If somebody has a problem in life, they come and they sit in front of me, one of the first things I ask is, well, how did you get here? Almost like you had to take a specific course in your life to get here. And sometimes that's just not true. Sometimes people are in a position not because of what they've done but because of something that's happened to them anybody here irish anybody here irish please raise your hand so irish okay keep it up just one second keep it up mary i'm going to pick on mary for a second mary you can put your hands down so mary you're from ireland then right you moved you moved here from ireland you didn't move here from ireland your parents lived in ireland and moved here so you're irish no your, not your grandparents, your great-grandparents. Her great-grandparents were from Ireland, and her great-grandparents, so it was your choice then to move here, right? You're Irish, but you're living in a foreign country. America is not her, right? You're a foreigner. Ooh. So how many of you know that sometimes we're in circumstances that we had nothing to do with? Mary was born and raised in the United States, even though her heritage is in Ireland. If her parents or great-grandparents had stayed put, she'd have been born someplace else, right? But they didn't stay put, they moved. And she's here because of their decision. She is Thousands and thousands of miles away from her quote unquote homeland because of her because of their decision. Right? Follow me, stick with me for a little bit. We're lost in sin, not because of our choice. We're lost in sin because six thousand years ago, a woman named Eve and a man named Adam chose to disobey God. And because of that, sin has ruled and reigned in this world. And because of that, trials and struggles have come into this world. And sometimes we find ourselves sitting in the middle of a problem that we had nothing to do with, and yet there we are. And the disciples are saying to Jesus, who sinned? You see, they want to understand the explanation of this cause category. Why is this man in this situation? And we do the same thing. We look for cause. Well, this is going on Well, somebody did something wrong. Somebody did something. We actually we actually had somebody tell us one time, a, a well-meaning couple, a well-meaning couple, that God looked on Annette and I and saw our righteousness and saw how well we treated people and so God gave us a child who had Disabilities because he saw our, our, our righteousness I don't know to bang my head against the wall actually I wanted to bang his head against the wall if I'm honest that's a reality listen Jesus says there's nobody at fault here and we want to find somebody and put somebody, we want that closure in our life to say, this is a difficult situation, and in order for me to understand it, I have to be able to blame somebody. I got to put it in this little cause circle and say, because you did this, you have that problem, and we can't do that. As a matter of fact, Jesus explains this, but he do it doesn't do it in the cause category. He does it in the purpose category. Jesus opens up a whole new category on these disciples. They're looking for the cause. They wanna know why this man is struggling from blindness and Jesus said in verse three, neither this man nor his parents have sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so the works of God might be displayed in him instead of the, the, the why, instead of the 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 what caused this, he opens it up to a whole new purpose category. He said, don't worry about why he's blind. What am I gonna do about about it. What's gonna change? There's gonna change. There's a purpose. Did you hear that? There's a purpose to his disability. There's a purpose to that man's struggle. You know how we short change God when we try to avoid all the struggle? James says, count it all joy. My brothers, when you go through various types of struggles and, and and hardships, count it all joy. Embrace it like an old friend. You say, I don't want it. I don't want, I don't want to be part of that. I don't want I don't want it too bad. You're born here. You were born in America, Mary. I'm sorry. Not really. I'm glad you're here. There is a cause behind all of this. This man didn't sin, nor did his parents. We actually read about, uh, I think it's in Luke chapter 3, we read about there's 18 people who were killed when a wall at Siloam fell. This wall fell, and, and Jesus said, do you think they were any worse sinners than anybody else? Do you think that there was some kind of a judgment that took place? It's like the wall fell, but there's a purpose behind it. God will use it. Romans chapter eight says that God will take all things and use them for His glory. But we have to allow it. We have to allow it. We have to allow that struggle. I don't care what the struggle is. Anybody face a struggle here? Yeah, some of us have faced a struggle just in this past week. Some of us have been facing a struggle for a year. Some of us have been facing. Listen, when we talk to us, we talk about suffering. Sometimes suffering can last for decades, decades. And if we're looking for the cause all the time behind, the, behind it, we're gonna find ourselves struggling. We're gonna find ourselves not sure we can hang on to God. That's, that song we just, we just sang, say, he'll, he'll never let you down, he'll never let you down. If you find yourself let down, you're probably looking in the cause category instead of in the purpose category. Let's change and look at the purpose category and say, how does God wanna use this in my life? How can God be glorified through this? Does that make sense? So Jesus reaches down. I'm not going to read the whole entire story. He reaches down, grabs a handful of dirt. He spits in it. He makes mud, and he sticks it on this guy's eyes. Okay, so if you see somebody downtown who's got a white stick and is blind... unless God writes it on a building next to you. I'm not going to advise you to pick up dirt, spit in it, and stick it on the guy's eyes. Just not going there. After saying this, he spit on the ground, and he made some mud with the saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, and wash in a pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and he washed, and he came home seeing, and his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging. They saw him begging. Guess what? This disability that he had, this struggle that he had, this thing that there was a purpose for was actually a hardship. It caused him to struggle. It caused him to struggle so bad that he had to be out begging. We've got to stop reading scripture too fast. We've got to read scripture over and over again. We've got to ponder it. We've got to think about it. We've got to let it speak to us. So his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Isn't that, isn't that Bill? Did you see Bill walking down the street by himself? He was he way, wa- that wasn't, was that, was that Bill? I mean, he was waving at people. He said, hey, how's it going? I recognize your voice. Hey, you must be Bob. Hey, you must be John. It's good to see you, Sally. I've never seen, boy, this is, can you, okay. Honestly, 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 let's get real. Imagine for a second that you've been blind your entire life. It's created such a hardship in your life that you've had to beg You've had to sit on a corner, you've had to rely on somebody walking you everywhere. You don't know what blue is, you don't know what red is, you don't know what green is, you don't know what clouds look like. And one day a man comes along and he touches you and you're healed. Can you imagine the overwhelming sense? Can you imagine what that does in his life. There's a purpose behind that blindness. We either believe in the sovereignty of God through our struggles, or we don't. There's not like a halfway, it's not like, I gotta know why, tell me why, tell me why. He does not have to tell us why, folks. He is sovereign. There may come a point in time, the beauty of this story to me is that Jesus closes the loop, at least to some degree. At least to some degree, we see a purpose behind his blindness. We won't always see that. You've got a struggle going on, you're not always going to see it. And here's the deal, in the middle of it, you don't know the end of the story. In the middle of that struggle, in the middle of the difficulty, you don't know the end of it. And who are we? God, God spoke to Job and he said, where were you when I set the foundations? You think you got struggles? Where were you when I set the foundations of the earth? He asked him 41 unanswerable questions. He's God. He's God. We come here and we worship a God that is so far beyond our comprehension. He's so far beyond. Our, our greatest thoughts are Nothing. The, the, the foolishness the bible says to god so jesus as we take the next few minutes I want to close this 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 I want to talk about John in this way. I want to talk about this passage in this way. This is the beauty behind god 's word is I think it 's alive and it speaks so many things to us but but here we we begin to see the reason, the cause uh, not the cause but the the purpose behind his blindness perhaps in John uh, chapter nine or chapter nine here starting in verse nine, this is one of those things that uh, just just kind of grabs me. Uh, some claimed, you know, I, I read through this and you see that it's so heavy on the front side and then it's almost like an Abbott and Costello routine on the back end. Some people claimed and others said, no, he only looks like him. Is that Bill? No, he only looks like Bill. Bill's not quite as tall as this guy is. Is that, you no, know, others claimed that he was, but he himself said, it's me. It's me, this is me. I was the one who was begging on the corner. I was the one who was blind. How are your eyes opened, they asked. And he replied, the man they called Jesus, I'm not really sure who he is. You can see Abbott and Costello doing this, can't you? The man they called Jesus, he made some mud, he put it in my eyes, he told me to go to the pool and wash. I went down, I washed, now I can see. Where is this man? I don't know, I was blind four minutes ago. (laughs) By the time I got done washing the mud out of my eyes, he was gone, I don't know. I don't know. So then the Pharisees decide, now the religious leaders, they decide they gotta get in on this. You see, Jesus messes with them. Sometimes Jesus creates his own problems. Can I say that in church, Barry? But Jesus creates his own, he heals this guy on the Sabbath again. You know, if you'd have healed him on Tuesday, nobody would have cared. But No, you gotta heal him on the Sabbath. Just like the last guy you healed on the Sabbath, just heal on Tuesday, it's easier. I don't know. So they brought him to the Pharisees. They, they, they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. So he, he did it, he set himself up. In verse 15, therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And the man says, he put mud in my eyes. And I washed and now I see. And some of the Pharisees said, see, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. I understand that you're healed. I understand that life is immensely better for you. I get the fact that there was a miracle, but the dude did it on the Sabbath, and so that invalidates that he cannot be from God. Well, you read the end of the chapter. I'm done now. Now you messed that whole. That was my. That was my punch. That was, there goes my punch line. Here's, here's my. Here's the real punch. Here's the real punch. Jesus does things outside of the ordinary. He does things to mess with us. We had a guy in Hibbing. Uh, he came to Christ. Uh, here's the deal. He was a horrible alcoholic. He was a horrible dad. He had diabetes. He had. had a heart attack he was living with a gal he's not married he'd been married two or three times twice before his life was a disaster his daughter brings him to church thinking this is the only place where there's hope for him he comes to church he gets told that he really shouldn't be living with the woman that he's living with so he leaves for about six months comes mad 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 comes back after six months, says, you're the only one who ever told me the truth. Maybe I should listen to what you're saying, accepts Jesus Christ, and his daughter stands there and says, well, we're just waiting for the other shoe to fall. We're really not sure. She brought him to church so that he would accept Christ, and when he accepted Christ, she's like, we don't, I'm not really sure we believe it. Okay, so here's the funny part of this story. In the whole time that he was mad at the church, diabetes was so bad he had to have part of his leg taken off, he had it amputated, so he ended up with a, with, a, with a prosthetic. And after he gets saved, remember her comment we're waiting for the other shoe to fall, waiting for the other foot to fall. After he gets saved, he comes to church and he's working at church. And one day he's working as a secretary, and we kind of got a U shaped thing, and he's turning around talking to people all day long, and he unratchets his leg. And he doesn't know it. He unratcheted his leg. So he and his wife, now he got married, he and his wife go to Walmart and they decide that they're going to go and have Subway but before that she has to go to the bathroom. Honey, would you hold my purse? And he said, sure. And he grabs her purse and he turns towards Subway and as he makes this turn, the other foot fell. About two feet away from him. His leg came off and... All of the wonderful things that are contained in a woman's purse came off of his arm and spread all over the store. And he's laying on the ground with a broken elbow and a broken shoulder, and the other foot fell. But I want to tell you something. Through all of that man's struggles, when he accepted Christ, I found no one more grateful through all of his troubles. Whether he broke his leg, he actually fell in a parking lot at church, broke his knee, broke this. But the guy was in the hospital, he was an absolute train wreck until the day that he died, he was an absolute train wreck. Went through one problem after another problem after another problem after another problem and yet that foot really never fell. He found himself anchored in Christ to the point that we began a ministry in him called Celebrate Recovery and unspeakable joy. joy. <laughs> He can't take it. He's my cheering section, right? Right? There was a purpose behind all of that struggle. There was a purpose for it. He showed God's joy. He showed his grace. He showed his mercy. The Pharisees. The Pharisees are saying, "You know, we realize that you're you're not as important as us keeping the Sabbath." The Pharisees asked him, "How did you receive your sight?" And he's like, "Dude, the man put mud in my eyes, and when I washed, I could see." Others asked, "How could a sinner perform such?" It was a little bit peppier. I could have danced, but that really caught me off. <laughs> How could a sinner do this? So, so they were divided. They turned again to the blind man and they said, "What do you have to say about it? It was your eyes." And the man said, "He's a, he's a prophet. I don't know. He's a he's a prophet. He's a prophet. I don't know." They still didn't believe that he was blind. They. So they're willing to condemn Jesus, they're willing to to go after him, they're willing to say Jesus is is from hell, he's a sinner, he's no good, he can't do this, he can't heal on the Sabbath, but they still don't believe that he was blind. We're gonna find out in just a minute who's blind, as Brian so aptly took my punchline. So so they weren't gonna believe him so they decided that they needed to go and talk to his parents. Like what? In verse nine, verse nineteen. Is this your son? They asked. Is this the one that you say was born blind and now he can see? How is it that he can see? Well, we know he's our son. The parents answered, and we know that he was blind. But how can he see again? Who opened his eyes? We don't know. Ask him. He's of legal age. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah was gonna be kicked out of church. That's why his parents said, ask him. So a second time, they summoned him, the man who was blind, and they said, give glory to God by lying to us. That's really what they said. Here's what they say, give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. So what they're saying is, what we want you to do is tell us that you weren't blind and that this is all a sham and this is a fake. So so give glory to God by doing it. The guy can't do it. Two days ago, I was blind. Some dude came, he spit, he put mud in my eyes, he told me to wash. I can see. I'm not going to deny that. Look, here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. If we begin to notice people in our community that have struggles around us, and we begin to reach out and be Christ, to be hope, to be light, to be life, they're gonna come a point where they're gonna say, you know what, I was blind. There's some way in my life that I was blind and somebody helped me. Who helped you and what did they do? I'm not really sure. But they said God bless you at the end and he did and it's real. We have that chance. While today is today, while there's still light, while there's still while still daylight, we have the chance to be light. That's what Jesus said. And he told us, remember, he told us to go. He told us to go and to do the same things that he did. So a second time, they summoned the guy who was blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man's a sinner, he replied. Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, I was blind and now I see. And then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered, yeah, I love this guy. I've already told you and you don't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become a disciple too? (laughs) I'm sorry, but we read scripture way too fast. There's humor in this. And then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciples. We're disciples of Moses. We believe in the Sabbath instead of healing on the Sabbath. You can't have that. We're gonna throw him out of the church. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the man answered, now that's remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes? We know that God does not listen to sinners. This is is the, the blind guy. He's lecturing these religious leaders. He said, We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to a godly person who does his will. Nobody's ever heard of opening the eyes of a, of a man who was blind before. If this man for, were not from God, he could do nothing. Are you nuts? Are you crazy? How come you don't see this? Why do you keep asking me? I'm not going to change my story. This is the way it is. You tell me you don't know where, where he comes from? You're crazy. He's got to come from God. Now I just added the scripture there a little bit. But you got to get the picture. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. Yes, and so was I because Adam and Eve sinned. And so there was sin. I was born in sin too. Guess what? So were you. You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Ding, 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 ding. They believed the exact same thing that the disciples believed. They believe that there is a cause because you were a sinner, you've got this problem going on and we're saying because of this problem, Jesus has a purpose. Let's let him use it as a purpose. Let's see the purpose behind it. John chapter nine, I'm running a little late. If you hang with me? Will you stick with me? You can leave if you have to, but I'm really on a roll. I'm gonna wrap it up soon. John chapter 9 and verse 35, they heard, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. Probably the best day of his life. Probably the best day of this guy's life. He got kicked out of the church for crying out loud. They threw him out, and when they found him, when Jesus found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And the guy's like, Dude, who is he? Like, who's the Son of Man? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. And the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and that those who see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were there with him heard him say this and they asked, what? Are we blind too? Jesus said if you were blind you'd not be guilty of sin but now that you claim that you can see your guilt remains I read through this story and I there are parts of it that make me cry there are parts of it that make me chuckle there are parts that just make me laugh out loud but the reality is we come full circle on this account we come full circle jesus takes a man who was blind from birth and everybody's looking to see what's the cause of his blindness jesus said it's not about the cause it's about the purpose let me show you and through all of it he brings to light that the blindness is not so much about a physical blindness but that there's a spiritual blindness that has grabbed hold of these religious people who think they're going to heaven As a matter of fact, the more they persecute, the more they stand for their their righteousness, the more they stand for doing things perfect, the more they say, you cannot heal on the Sabbath because that's too much like work. We don't care about the people, we care about the rules. You can't do this and you can't do that. Jesus said, that's blindness. That is blindness in the religious community, it's blindness in us. We work at judging, let him be the judge. Jesus is the one who's gonna do, we don't have to judge. We've got to do what he did and lay down our lives. We've got to do what he did and we've got to be Christ to this community. We've got to do what he did. We have to see people who have needs. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm gonna stop.